0: As the New Zealand government finalises its policies within its new coalition, issues around ocean protection and climate change are front of mind for many Pacific climate advocates. New Zealand has been in support of a new global target to protect 30% of our ocean by 2030. However, under a national-lead government, New Zealand plans to lift the ban on oil and gas exploration, something that has many organisations championing the environment horrified. I spoke with Dr Kayla Kingdom-Bebb, chief executive of Worldwide Nature Fund known as WWF New Zealand, about how she plans to hold the new government to account.
1: New Zealand has one of, we have the fifth largest ocean territory on the planet. It's 14 times larger than our landmass. And historically, New Zealand did used to be a global leader in ocean conservation in the 1970s when we created the Marine Reserves Act. But globally speaking, we are joint last place in terms of the actual protection of our ocean environment. So we we currently protect less than 1% of our ocean territory, and that's about the same amount as China and Russia. Not the greatest bedfellows. Especially when you consider that most New Zealanders live within four kilometres of the coast. It's worth about $7.4 billion to our marine economy. And every second breath we take is oxygen that's supplied by the ocean. With the incoming government, what would you like to see from them? Well, at WWF we were really heartened to see uh, the National Environmental Manifesto, which I think is called the Blueprint for a Healthy Environment. There's a suite of commitments in there around ocean conservation, which are really encouraging actually nationals committed to within this next term progressing marine protected areas reform which is the legal framework by which we can create new marine protected areas which we desperately need to do because the marine reserves act is now wildly out of date They've also committed to progressing the new marine reserves in the Hauraki Gulf through the sea change process, um, those down in southeast Otago, and also revisiting the Kermadec Rangitahua Ocean Sanctuary, all of which are critical interventions we need to stop the decline of our ocean health in New Zealand. In terms of the ocean dynamic in the Pacific, we know that a healthy Pacific, Timuana Nui was is so important to the well-being of all Pacific states, New Zealand included, and With respect to the implementation of the 30 by 30 commitment, this is the the commitment that's spun out of the Global Biodiversity Framework and the UN High Seas Treaty to protect 30% of our oceans by 2030, it is really important to human health. We're not just talking about biodiversity in the deep reaches of the ocean. We know that what happens on the high seas actually affects the health of the marine and coastal ecosystems closer to home. And species like whales and tuna and sharks and turtles do not pay any heed to the lines drawn on maps by humans. So, I would, my focus in the next year is going to be pushing the New Zealand government really, really hard to do what they need to do to live up to that commitment.
0: For people listening to this and for our Pacific audience, some of the big kind of topics and issues like fossil fuels and seabed mining. What would you suggest people do in terms of education?
1: Well, there's a lot of good information out there, and there's heaps of it on the WWF website if you're interested. I think there's a lot of misconceptions out that, is, are, that are often peddled by industry, unfortunately. So particularly in New Zealand, for example, there are strong lobbies suggesting that marine protected areas are not good for commercial and recreational fisheries. And factually, that is incorrect. For the last two decades, we've had really strong research globally that strongly suggests that highly protected offshore marine protected areas are great for food security. I.e., they are good for commercial fisheries because they allow those fishery stocks that have been overfished a chance to recover. And they're also really important to enable us to adapt to our changing climate. We know that the best antidote to climate change, both in terms of mitigation and adaptation, is healthy wild places. So, the notion that's being peddled that MPAs offshore are bad for fisheries is just categorically untrue, and there's lots of peer-reviewed research out there to suggest that that you know is not the case. Um, in terms of the plastics, there's a great civil society movement, including throughout the Pacific, that highlight, um, you know, the myriad drawbacks of plastic pollution, both in terms of human health and also in terms of what it's doing to our marine ecosystems and species. I think, you know, when you're looking at a small developing island state, economic development is really important across the board. You know, um, the go- some of the goals in terms of the Pacific Islands Forum leaders is is collective development and raising up people's incomes and giving them choices and opportunities in their lives, and economic development's a really crucial part of that. So I can understand the impulse um, and, and the instinct to, t- to want to explore those resources. We would say, and the evidence suggests that, you know, deep-sea mining is not without quite a lot of risk, and quite frankly, because the deep reaches of the ocean are so remote, We just don't know kind of what the impacts on biodiversity will be down there, although we do know that it's incredibly damaging to, you know, the the benthic environment that takes millennia to recover. We would say... You know, a precautionary approach is warranted, and we strongly support the moratorium that's being advocated by a huge number of Pacific Island states, New Zealand included.
0: What would lifting the ban on offshore oil and gas exploration mean for New
1: Zealand and the Pacific? I think it would be a travesty, actually. Our former Prime Minister, Justin Ardern, um, did a lot of advocacy at a recent APEC meeting around removing subsidies on fossil fuels and internationally New Zealand's, you know, can rightly be proud of the fact that we've banned offshore oil and gas. We're going to COP twenty eight, the next climate conference in December this year, where we're doing a global stock take where the global community is going to be taking stock about how we're going in terms of reaching our Paris commitments. And across the board, all of the scientific reports that have been issued say that the window of opportunity for us to, to meet the commitment to halt warming to 1.5 degrees is slipping out of our hands. And we know absolutely that keeping to 1.5 degrees of warming cannot and does not provide for more fossil fuel exploration. Full stop. It just doesn't. Realistically, it's I just think it's a shame and it's actually a bit ridiculous that New Zealand would be considering reversing that ban at this juncture in time.
0: Going forward, how does the Pacific, where do they stand on the world stage when it comes to COP28?
1: I certainly hope so. I mean, my my own lived experience has been that the voice of the Pacific, when it's, a, you know, as a collective of small island states and in concert with Australia and Aotearoa when we're able to tell Togo, is actually very strong. And... The Pacific is at the forefront, you know, we're at the front line of climate change and we're at the front line of plastic pollution and we're at the front line of biodiversity loss as well. And when these countries come together and speak with one collective voice, it's actually incredibly powerful. And we've seen that you know, in, the, in, in a host of different negotiations around Ramsar, which is a wetlands convention, and the, trade in, the Convention on the Trade of Endangered Species and the Global Biodiversity Framework. When the Pacific comes together to advocate for outcomes it believes in, it's actually a powerful voice, and we're hoping to see that at the upcoming plastics negotiations this week, but also in terms of climate change, we know the Pacific voice is really important. So, yeah, looking forward to seeing good progress on loss and damage, particularly at COP28.